ladies and gentlemen. It is my honor to present to you your hosts for the Married with Board Games podcast, Spencer and Laura Williams. Hey there, everyone. I'm Spencer. And I'm Laura. And this is the Married with Board Games podcast. Welcome. Welcome to episode seven. We have some exciting things to talk about today. Um, it is the season of new things, and um, for us, it's no exception. But before we get to that, um, I do want to make a slightly off-topic announcement. Um, I am doing something, I've been asked to do something called Dancing for the Stars. Not Dancing with, because I am not a star. Um, you are in my eyes. Oh, thank you. In your daughter's eyes. Well, I appreciate that. That makes me feel much better than I did a minute ago. Good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it's uh, what it is is here in town in Wichita Falls. Uh, there's a little. Or- there are two organizations. Um, one is Big Brothers Big Sisters, and then one is the Small America's Small Business Development Center at Midwestern State University. That's a long name. They just go by SBDC for <laughs> yes. short, just so you know. <laughs> so basically the purpose of both of those organizations is mentoring. So Big Brothers and Big Sisters, you know what that is. You mentor younger kids. And then the Small Business Development Center is for mentoring small businesses. Pe- people, wow. yeah, <laughs> You wouldn't have imagined that. No. <laughs> people who have started up a small business or are wanting to get help getting started up, they get mentored through this this. Um, this organization and um, the way they wanted to get the word out about the organizations and also um, just bring awareness and even raise funds to help these organizations be able to do more. uh, They created this event called dancing for the stars Mm -hmm. and um, people from around town, local quote unquote celebrities. um, (laughs) That term is used loosely. (laughs) Yes. um, Because I mean, how many celebrities can actually be in Wichita Falls? Um, so people from around the, the, the town, um, come and dance. I mean, it's like dancing with the stars. It's a dance competition. Right. I mean, it's not like they're given specific ballroom style. Right. Like you don't, don't have to do a, um, a, a foxtrot or a, um, I don't know, tango. Viennese waltz or yeah. tango or anything like that. You just, you have a time limit. Right. And, and, and so I'm paired up at all of the celebrities Spencer qualifies as a celebrity for this. Are are paired up with a a dance instructor. Yes. And they are also referred to as celebrity dance instructors because, you know, they're well known around town. And I got really lucky this year and I got paired with uh, a lady by the name of Stephanie Maidenwalt. We love her. We've worked with her for several years through the theater, the community theater. And so. Yeah, she's our choreographer at the theater, and we've both directed and acted down there. So. Yeah. We've worked with and under Stephanie. Mm hmm. And um, which was great. It was a perfect pairing for us. Yeah. And so um, I am one of 12 couples, I believe, at least originally, um, that will be competing in February. And the way that works is, we, have, like Laura said, we have a two-minute dance uh, number that we have to put together. And then we are to ask others to vote for us. Um, it's not traditional voting. You don't say, I pick you, I pick you. You vote with your money, basically. Yeah, you donate money. Um, yes, there will be judges there yeah. who will give some kind of so, ranking. So, yeah, there are two different kinds of winners. There mm-hmm. is the the best male dancer and best female dancer, but then there's the overall winner, which is determined by whoever, How much money you raise. whoever raises the most money. Right. And uh, I'm not the best at asking for money. I 
whenever we had fundraisers in school, I was always the worst at going around and asking people to buy stuff from me. So um, I just ask that if it's something um, you're interested in, maybe taking a look at, seeing a little bit more about it, how the whole process works, I think the minimum uh, amount to donate is $5. But I'll I'll take anything. Um, (laughs) um, I mean, think about it. Uh, Our goal, my goal is 2000 So if 200 people donate... Ten dollars. You didn't think about this. Two hundred people donate ten dollars. Is yeah. that yes? Is that two thousand? That's right. Um, so it wouldn't take long. Um, so if if you want to take a look at it, get a little bit more information, I wrote a little bit of a blog post on it. It's on our website, marriedwithbg.com. It is the featured blog post, the most recent one. Uh, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. Um, and so the the information on how to donate is there. The link to the, the link website. To, yeah. yeah, it's and, all there. And uh, I would really appreciate you even just taking a look. Even if you don't feel like it's the right thing for you, no worries. Uh, I will be along the process as we get more into it, uh, posting pictures and and some video. Our our routine is going to be really fun. I'm so excited and, to watch uh, it's, this. It's a secret right now. Um, we're wanting to kind of build up some anticipation for it. But mm-hmm. um, if you know anything about me, it won't come as any kind of surprise as to what <laughs> I am doing for our routine. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's dancing for the stars, and the uh, competition will be in February. February. Mm-hmm. So we have a little bit more time to get get working on it. We already have been rehearsing, and and it's a lot of fun. But he needs your help. Yeah. So please. So I'm really looking forward to it. So yes, thank you for your consideration. But now onto some games. Yeah. We've, we've been playing some games. We had our Married with Board Games Con away from Con. That right? was fun at yes. Madness Games and Comics while uh, everybody else was at having fun at bgg con we had fun doing our little one yeah and um through that and some uh away time for the holiday we've been able to play some games um so let's start off with um this is our newest one uh to come to us um other than our yeah we just broke it in over the thanksgiving break um so i backed this one on kickstarter without laura's approval (laughs) or <laughs> consideration maybe just without my knowledge yeah it was it was kind of a surprise because i had heard this was coming and i was excited we love matt leacock we love the pandemic games we love uh the forbidden forbidden games forbidden mm-hmm. island forbidden desert and they're but they're all kind of similar so we hadn't played anything that was different and so when i heard about this game called chariot race about racing chariots in an arena by rolling dice made by Matt Leacock, I was instantly interested. And then I saw that they were bringing it to Kickstarter through Eagle Griffin Games. I said, why not? Let's give it a try. And so I backed it. And that was probably the quickest Kickstarter I've ever done through by the time it was done to get to the porch. Yeah. It got here last week. I mean, I'd say maybe just a few weeks. Wow. So kudos to Eagle Griffin Games for getting that out. Mm-hmm. fulfillment on that um so the premise of the game is everybody is controlling a chariot mm-hmm. um like in the roman roman right yes okay so and it's a race <laughs> it's a chariot race mm-hmm. and you've got uh you initially well well before i get into that each chariot has three different stats so you have your speed speed about ba- speed value mm-hmm. your um I don't know what you even call it. Your damage? Yeah, well, we call it damage. Damage track. And then you have Fortuna's favor. favor. And so they each do different things. So the speed tells you how how many spaces you can move on your turn. The damage shows how many uh, 
points of damage your chariot can take before it blows up disintegrates on the racetrack <laughs> Falls apart. but we like saying blow up just because we get this image of a chariot going up in a, <laughs> in a, a mushroom <laughs> cloud um and then the uh, fortunus uh favor you can use that to um to, to change some dice rolls change your dice rolls um or, or, or to help repair your chariot. Repair your chariot yes yes um so what you're going to be doing is on your turn depending on how fast you're going you'll be rolling dice there are a total of five and each face on the die is different. You know, you've got one that increases your fortunus favor, one that increases your speed, one that helps you change lanes, one that um, helps you... Ooh, one that lets you throw either a javelin at your opponent <laughs> or throw caltrops behind you. Yeah, drop them. Um, and then one that lets you... Well, I said increase your speed, but it can also decrease your speed. So you're going to be doing this kind of Yahtzee style. You throw your dice, look at what you got, and you can change them up to one time before you're... Yeah, you can re-roll once yes. whatever number of die you want yeah. to re-roll. And then if you have any a specific number of Fortuna's favor points, you can use those to re-roll or, or adjust, whatever. however. But the thing is, I mean, when you get your final result, you have to yeah. do them. yeah. So if you get a whole bunch that tell you to speed up, you have to do mm -hmm. them. Especially, Imagine you have to speed up and you don't get any lane changes and you've got a bunch of caltrops yep. in the lane in front of you that you're going to have to run right. over. So each caltrop is going to bring your damage down. And on top of that, much like in, say, like Formula D, mm -hmm. um, as you go around corners, there's a certain speed you have to be going. And if you're going over that, however... Whatever the difference is between your speed and what the lane, the corner speed is, mm -hmm. you take that much damage as well. Right. So there have been instances when Lara has gone around a corner. <laughs> oh, man. At, I blew up going at, around the corner. At top speed of 12, and the highest value around the corner is 7. So do the math. <laughs> she lost, what, 5 points of damage? Well, that was just that. that and then was I think that. I ran over yeah. a Caltrop. Yeah. So, um, if you run over Caltrops, you lose damage. If your opponent throws a javelin at you, uh, you lose damage, which is a lot of fun. So, it's not just racing. It's also hurting your opponents, too. Well, and managing your managing, speed. Yeah, and, and damage. And, um, because what happens is, at the beginning of your turn, if your speed is higher than your, your damage points, you have to automatically bring that speed back down to be in line with with your damage points. There was one point when I was going one. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, like one. My, my speed was just reset to mm -hmm. one. Thankfully, I rolled that I was able to bump it back up a yeah, couple Yeah, because you were all the way down to one damage point last. Oh, yeah. No, but it was... um, um, it gets exciting. Um, as a two-player game, um, you you have to control two chariots. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're playing two or three players, um, each person has to control two chariots. If that's not a big deal to you, then no big deal. But if you would rather focus on one, then that might be a little bit of a problem for you. And then once you get to four or five or six players, you only control one chariot. It mm -hmm. can it plays from two to six players. It's a pretty quick game, thirty to forty five minutes, depending on how quickly you fall apart. Right, yeah, because um, you only go two laps yeah, around the track, around and, and it's not a big, big, huge. And yeah, and the person that goes the furthest on that last round wins. He survives. Yeah, or the person, the only person Man, that survives. Man, that was one, right? That like mm -hmm. we somebody crossed the line, and then another person crossed the line behind him and threw a javelin, and yeah. that other person yeah. killed him. And that... so it's it's pretty. I mean, it, it was a lot of vicious. fun. It's it's a lot of fun. It's very simple, very easy to pick up. Yes. Um, a good racing game, like I said, quick. Um, you're rolling dice. Uh, you're being mean to each other. Um. <laughs> And um, we really liked it. So that was Chariot Race from Matt Leacock and Eagle Griffin Games. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we got to get in on the hype. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, as soon as we heard about this, we knew we had to have it. Well, yeah. The first thing when you first told me about it, I was like, okay, we need to get that. Mm-hmm. And then you jumped on it, unbeknownst to me. Yes, as a surprise. Surprised me. Mm-hmm. And we are now the proud owners of a corset of Arkham Horror, the living card game. Yes. And it's a good thing I jumped on it because uh, I think back in September, I pre-ordered it. And then when it finally came out, people were having trouble getting it. Mm-hmm. Because it sold out because everybody wanted it. Well, even Fantasy Flight hadn't even anticipated that. They right. weren't planning to well, do another printing Part of the problem later. was is because it is a a, day, a game where you can build and craft your decks. People were buying up two and three copies of it. Mm-hmm. So they could have many options on, on how to build their decks. So that's why they're selling out so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because of the hype. Mm-hmm. Um but you want to talk a little about about Arkham Horror Living Card Game? Well, um, you know, it's funny because the first time we heard about this, it was kind of explained to me as being like a smaller, easier to set up version of Arkham Horror, which mm-hmm. is what people and people were saying that. Mm-hmm. I don't see this as being like Arkham Horror. No. It's in the same mythos, it's yes. in the same universe. Yes, so it's all in Arkham, Miskatonic University, blah blah blah. Same monsters but, kind right. of yeah, and, and characters yeah. from the stories. Same theme. Wendy Adams yeah. and Agnes Barnes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her last name. Anyway, um, I don't I don't see it as being like Arkham Horror, the no. board game. Mm-mm. It does not feel like a... You know, as the comparison that's made, Eldritch Horror is a streamlined version of Arkham Horror. This is not a stripped-down version of Arkham Horror. I, th- I feel like it's its own game. Well, yeah, it's a card game, and mm-hmm. it's it's different. Yeah. Um, but not a bad different. This is no. a good different. Mm-hmm. Um, you pick a an investigator, mm-hmm. which um, the first time that you open the game, it suggests two starter investigators, and it shows you in there how to build your deck, what cards you need. Um, tip that we got, um, I believe it said card number 17, does not have the same back as all the other cards, and that's when you're going to be looking for the Lita Chandler card. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... She has a different back on her. Mm-hmm. So when you start building your decks, be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started out with the the normal, what it suggested, um, and did the first act and agenda and everything. That was that was fun because it's scenario based, right? Right. Yeah. It's um, you have a you have an objective. Yes. And um, each objective has several acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, not objective. Each scenario has several acts, but also, what's the other thing agendas. called? Agendas. Agendas, yeah. So the agendas are bad, the ag- the acts are good. You want to try to make your way through the acts. Yeah, you don't the want scenario. the agendas to, to yeah, further. Yeah, when the agendas further, then more bad things happen. Right, so you have a card and you go through mm-hmm. the different phases. Um, first you do your, well, on the very first turn, it's just your investigators do their thing. They've got three actions. Mm-hmm. Um, next is if there are any monsters that they move mm-hmm. and or attack. Um, after that, you reset, you gain your card and your resource. Mm-hmm. And then it's the mythos phase. Each person, you put out your doom tokens. Because mm-hmm. um, the do- doom tokens are what advance, advance the agendas. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then, um, you complete your mythos, and then you go on again to the investigator phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, those are the ways that it's similar. That you're investigating, yeah. you're looking for clues. Clues mm-hmm. are how you advance the act. Yeah, a lot of the same terminology. The mythos phase, right? You're doing. You're losing sanity and yeah. health. Yeah. 
Um, you, you're casting spells. Mm, and, and you're doing checks. But here's the interesting thing this, about checks in this, this game. This is the part that I'm still L- going. Trying to get I don't used know to how this. I feel about this. I love it. I'll tell you for right, even right though up. you're terrible at it. I don't care. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just... instead of rolling dice, you are drawing what are called chaos tokens from a bag. Mm-hmm. So these chaos tokens have different values on it. So so if you're making a your check... investigator has a value mm-hmm. like normal fantasy flight. Arkham, Arkham Horror Universe games have of your lore is this much, your fight is this much, mm-hmm. your agility is this much, um, your knowledge or will is this much. Um, you have a certain set amount of that, and then you draw out tokens from this bag at random. Some of them are numbers, um, positive or negative. Which I think there's only one positive token, depending because depending on how difficult. No, because we went. We have plus one and we have plus two. Do we have a plus two? Yes. I don't remember plus two. Depending on how you set up the game is is which tokens you use. Which is included in the instructions yeah. of what setting you want to on. If you want it easy, you want to experience the story, it tells you that. Mm-hmm. If you want a challenge, it'll tell you that. If you want to nearly go insane, it'll do that. And then it says if you want Arkham Horror, you do this. And that goes up to like negative eight. Eight, yeah. Um, so you've got those tokens with numbers on them. You've got um, an elder sign token, which each individual investigator gets a special thing with an elder sign token. You have an auto fail token. Mm-hmm. You've got a cultist token, which each it different dip- scenario, scenario ha- in the campaign has a card that tells you what the cultist token will do, what effect it has when you draw. But that's that's what you're doing when you're resolving one of those checks. You draw that token and compare it to your um yeah, your you, ability you your take, character's ability you take your character's value and modify it by the, by the token you drew now you can um play cards like spells or mm-hmm. allies or, or items to try to help enhance those abilities right. and and beef up that number before you draw and make sure but um spencer's terrible at drawing i hey. just gotta say I tell you who's good at drawing is our three-year-old daughter. <laughs> we were so oh the, the token that you really do want to draw. Well, I mean, it depends on your character, but it. But in our case, the the best token to draw would be the elder sign. And so we were playing, and Emma wanted to play, and and we said, okay, we could let Emma be the one that draws, draws, yeah, draws the tokens out of the bag. Yeah. And I'd say three times in a row, she pulled out. She did. She pulled out the elder sign, and it wasn't just. She took what was on top. We mixed it up real good. Yeah, we shook it every time. I don't know how she'd she reach did it. in, pull out the other. I don't sign. know. And then even after that, she drew the zero, which zero is good, because you're not losing points by mm-hmm. drawing the zero. Then she walked away, and, and I sad. drew, and I kept drawing negative ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Emma, come back. <laughs> so it, it's a very interesting way of doing this check, and and I really like it because I feel like the the, the randomness is a little bit higher because. You know, with a, with a six-sided die, you've got six sides. But with this, you have so many different options you could be doing. Mm-hmm. And you're just drawing blindly into a bag. No no bumping the table can, can you know. Or misweighted die. Yeah, or, or rolling off the table. Oh, i got to re-roll that. Yeah. You know, this is, I feel like this is a really fair way to do that. And, yeah, it, it sucks a lot of the time because these values just, ah, uh, hit you right in the heart. But <laughs> I love that feeling of. Oh, my I'm, God. And reaching in so that nervous. bag, and so it's nervous. it's one of those things where it's like you pull it, you have it in your hand, you pull your hand out, you slowly turn your hand over and open it. 
I don't know about you, but I'm reaching in the bag. I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling with my fingers. No, there's no size difference. Of course, there are intelligent mm-hmm. people that kept them all shape and size yep. similar. But I'm feeling around like, oh, I wonder if this feels, <laughs> this might be the one. That's a negative three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's one as- new interesting aspect of the game that we re- that I really liked. Laura's still trying to figure it out. Um yeah. I'm just trying to get comfortable. Yeah. There, there are a lot of uh, nuances to the game that uh, we had to figure out. And, in fact, we've played there in the base game. It has three scenarios. and Well, it's one it's one giant campaign, but mm-hmm. there are three scenarios in it. And we've played two, but we played each campaign, each scenario twice. Because we played through it once to learn it and then play. Oh, we did this wrong. We need to do this again. And we want to make sure we played it right because... Um, the outcome of the scenarios carry over. Yeah. So like depend- if you go insane, you can get a trauma. influences what cards right. come up in the next game. You can get experience to let you add new cards to your deck to make you a better character. There's that aspect mm-hmm. of deck building, I which I thought was cool. I acquired an ally yeah. in the first one. Yeah, and so if you play wrong, that affects your games later. So we wanted to make sure um, in each game we're doing it right. I feel like for this third one... We could go into it. We, I feel like we got a good grasp on the game, and we don't need to play it a second time, right? Right. I agree with you, because like the first time we played it, we were figuring out, oh, man, this symbol means mm-hmm. per investigator. Yeah. We didn't even realize that, because it's kind of small. Yeah, it that is small. That symbol is small. And then later, when I built, I was, because the first time I played as Wendy Adams, which is mm-hmm. what was suggested, and then I said, you know what? I want to play as Agnes. Mm-hmm. And then after playing her for two games, I figured out, I am missing. I did not put these certain <laughs> cards in my deck. I was like, your why, deck look a little skinny. <laughs> why can't I fight? Because I had no survivalist cards. I only had my enchanter or yeah, whatever there whatever are cards. Called. The purple cards. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any of the red cards yeah. in my deck and I was supposed to. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, so hands. it's a, it is definitely a learning experience and I, I'm really excited to get the the expansions and all that. But but yeah, there is a learning curve to it. Um, of course, it's a one to two player game, so it's perfect for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a blast playing it with Laura. We're working together, and though she gets mad at me because of my token draws, she knows I can't help it, and and um, it's a lot of fun, and, and we can help each other out. Um, and you found those handy little player mats. Yeah, I, on oh Board yeah, Game Geek. yeah. Board Game Geek has uh, someone made these player mats that are printed out on on cardstock that have special places where you put your certain kinds of cards and to keep them straight. Yeah, there are cards all over the all table. Of, well, it was a card game, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I I think one of the things I really liked about it too was that deck building aspect of after we we finished that first scenario, we had experience points to spend. Oh, these are the cards we could add to our decks. This spell. Yeah, I, I'd like to add th- take this card out and put this card yes. in. That's a lot of fun. I like that, um, and doing it in the in the the setting of a campaign, knowing that this character is growing as they go along through mm-hmm. through their experience. I really like that. So yeah, big thumbs up from us for the Arkham Horror card game. Highly recommend that one if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> Final game we want to talk about. Um, this is a somewhat oldie but a goodie. Um, we've had this one for a while. Yeah, we busted it out for Con Away From Con. Right. Um, this, I feel like, is a pretty good entry-level program movement, program action game. Yes. Cult Express. Cult Express. Um, this one, um, I first heard about this game, um, 
I listened to the Dice Tower had an episode a while back about top 10 Western Western themed games. And I heard about this. I was like, wow, that sounds like a blast. Uh, Because of the the train. Yeah, well, it it was was because of the train. Yes, okay. You're playing on a 3D train. That's awesome. (laughs) But just the way they explained it was, you know, you're punching each other. You're picking up money. You're shooting each other. You're going from... You climb on top of the train. that, That sounds like a blast. So... So we got it, and it is. Um, so yeah, what you're doing is you're playing a bandit on a train. And um, each character has a different special ability. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was on the train trying to stop you? I keep calling him the marshal. It's the marshal. Okay. That's the correct terminology. Okay, <laughs> Go we, back and forth between, between sheriff, sheriff and, and marshal. <laughs> but it's the marshal. And he's on the train, and he's guarding the strong box. But you set up the, the train cars... For how many people are playing? So if you have four players, it's the engine plus four train cars. And each train car has a certain amount of loot in it. You don't know how much is it, it is. Money bags. Yeah, money bags and, and diamonds. And jewels. Yeah. Well, they're and, red, so oh, they would be rubies. You're right. I don't know my jewels. Anyway, so on the uh, on the uh, the back of each of these these little tokens is a, is a hidden value. You don't know how much it is until, until you pick it up. Until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, when you pick it up, you see what it is. I don't, I don't look at them oh. until I, till the end of the game. Well, you should. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, you you have cards. Everybody has the same cards, and it's actions like um, moving. Uh, so moving from, forward, backward, or, or climbing up and up down because you're going you go on the top of the cards too. And then there's pick up. So picking up your money. Mm-hmm. What else? Punching, mm-hmm. shooting, mm-hmm. moving the marshal. Right. So when you punch somebody, you punch them over to the next car. That's hilarious. <laughs> and when you shoot somebody... Oh, and when you punch them, they also drop a loot that they're carrying. Yes. That's where it comes in handy that you know what you have. So you drop the lowest value. <laughs> See, I always just do it as random. Maybe that is the rule. I don't know. I think I'm right, listeners. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> Won't we? From all of your comments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Come on, guys. Prove me right. Yeah. Okay. I'm not supposed to look. Um, so anyway, and then... You uh, punch them to the next car yeah. and they drop their loot. Or when you shoot. When you shoot, they have to be in the next car. It can't be anyone in the same car as right. you. Right. Or then you're just shooting there. Right. The interesting thing about shooting, though, is you give them a bullet card. Because what happens yeah, is... Yeah, that's right. You have a deck of these cards and each turn you uh, you shuffle you, them. And you draw a hand. And you draw a hand. And if, if someone shoots you and someone shot you five times, you get five junk cards because the bullet cards don't do anything. Mm-hmm. But if you get them in your deck and you draw your hand <laughs> up and you your hand's full of bullet cards, you have nothing to play so you can't do any actions. But anyway, because this is a pro- program movement action game, what you're doing is each round it's a different order of how you're playing your cards. Which whether that's face dictated up. by some yeah. other, another deck of cards. Yeah. So they you need to play the cards face up so that everyone can see what you're playing or face down so no one can see what you're playing. Sometimes and, you play two in a row. Yeah. So and, you would do two actions in a row. Right. So you're playing all these from your hand. And then once everybody goes around the round, you flip the deck over and you... You start doing you them start and start doing, doing the actions. And so, again, like any program so sometimes action... sometimes you can, like, laying them face up. Mm-hmm. It still gets a little complicated, though, even when they're face up, of trying to keep track of, okay, so they just did that, mm-hmm. and they just did that, so that means I can do this, and da-da-da. And even so, mm-hmm. you still might not know what they're doing. Perfect example. <laughs> At Con Away From Con, we were playing with some friends of ours. Hey, guys, I know you're listening. And... um. 
we, because of an action from one of the cards that dictated how many cards we had to play down and whether they were face up or face down, the last thing on it said all players were moved to the fi- the last car. Yeah, every, we were all every player the- that was on top of the train had to move to the last car. Yep. So we were all four on top of the caboose. Mm-hmm. We were watching as we all played our cards down for the first thing, and we all played a punch card. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going, oh boy, how's this going to go? There's four of us, and we're all punching. And the thing is, you choose who you punch right. when there are multiple people in the mm-hmm. car. So that's how it could go anyway. But then my special ability, personally for my character, was... I don't, if there are other people in the car with me, I do not get punched. Right. <laughs> it has to be someone else. That one's terrible. Because I wanted <laughs> it to punch It was amazing. <laughs> so it was a punch fest. Mm-hmm. It was like, I can't be Western. It was. Because you like, one person punched somebody to the other car. And then another, another person uh, got punched to that yeah, car. And then that person punched, punched them the, back. the first person back. So it was like, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. bing. It, was, it was so funny. And we were rolling. If we... If the floor was sanitary, it would have been rolling on the floor oh. laughing. Um, it was. It's a blast. It really is a fun game. It's so simple, um, and I we would highly recommend you you check that one out. Um, yes. They just released a an app, a digital version of it. Um, it's a little pricey. It's seven bucks, but that's still cheaper than the price of a board game. And there is an expansion too. Yeah, there's several that we would like yeah. to get. Um, but if you want to try it out before you buy it, you can get the app, see what you think. Um, but it is, uh, you, there's so much chaos going on because it doesn't matter. And people are like, well, uh, I can't, you know, I can't control what's happening. No, can't. That's why it's fun. You know, mm-hmm. the like, chaos. Like we said of, you don't know what the other players right. are doing. So I don't know how many times Spencer punched the air. Yeah. Because there or, was no one else in the car with him. Or our him. friend shot the air so many times because there's nobody else for him to shoot. Yeah, I did that a lot. Yeah. I would shoot and there was no one there mm-hmm. to shoot. Because so, you can't shoot the marshal. Right. I mean, and everybody else was, had moved up on top of the train and I didn't mm-hmm. realize they were moving up there when I played my shoot Right, card. so a lot of times you have wasted turns. So if you don't like that, then stay away from this yeah, game. Yeah, you but, might want to stay away. But otherwise, this is just silly fun. It's silly fun, good for, you know, and it, it's a quick game too. And you the, play I mean, five rounds and the game's over. I think over. the artwork works with yeah. that, mm-hmm. that feeling of yeah. this is silly yeah. and fun. Well, the fact that you're playing on a cardboard train is silly. And, yes. and and the thing that I love about it, and I point out every time we bring this game out, is <laughs> is there are little even set pieces. There are little they rocks scenery. and cactuses and cow skulls. cow skulls to just lay out there. They don't, they don't serve any help purpose. With the gameplay because you set, don't leave the train. No, it's just to help set, the, set the mood. So yeah, we love Colds Express, and we highly recommend you check that one out. That's enough games, at least right now. Um, we're going to be getting into a little bit later on. Um, it is Christmas time, and Ooh. we we are happy with the games that we have. But as with anything else, you always want more. <laughs> we will never be satisfied. Um, oh, Hamilton reference. Beautiful. Um, but before we do that, um, let's get into some game night grub, shall we? Mm. Okay, so for our game night grub segment, um, I'm going a little basic, going a little old school because um, we just got done with the holidays. Tired of going to the grocery store because of 
all the grocery store trips we made trying to get all of our stuff together for Thanksgiving. Oh man, I forgot that. I got to go back. I'm just kind of tired of it. And so this is stuff that I keep in the cabinet, in the pantry, and um, it's always handy. And I think it's pretty much just kind of a Texas staple. Um, and that's just your basic queso dip mm-hmm. um, that you see on the label of a can of Rotel. <laughs> um, of course, I use mild Rotel. Uh, there is a hot Rotel that Spencer might be more interested in than I am. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you finish. There is something that, it. yeah, that I do that most people don't do that makes mine a little more unique. Um, but so you just need one regular can of Rotel. Um, and then all you need is eight ounces of Velveeta. Um, I would like to try sometime. They have a new white or queso blanco Velveeta. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, get whatever kind of Velveeta you want. Just make sure you just need, you just need eight ounces. So if you get one of the big regular blocks, you're just going to cut that in half. Otherwise, they do make the smaller version. Um, what I do that's a little different from other people is I blend my Rotel first before I add it into the bowl. Um, but you're just going to put those two ingredients together in a bowl. I chop up my Velveeta first um, into some little cubes. Put it in the microwave. I always do it in two-minute segments at like 80% power because um, you don't want to... The Velveeta, the way it melts, um, it can get a skin to it and turn brown if you do it at a high heat for too long. Um, I have heard of some people doing it stovetop. Um, That's just not what I've ever done because usually when I'm making Velveeta, I'm doing it with like tacos or fajitas or quesadillas or something. So I've already got my stove going and I've got it occupied. I don't have room for that. So I sequester the queso over to the microwave. And usually at that point, that's something Spencer can help with and he can be in charge of heating that up while I'm cooking over on the stovetop. But um, just keep doing it in those segments, those two minute segments at a lower power Stir it every time, and then once it gets to the consistency that you want, you're ready to go. Um, in the past, my there's because that's the beauty of this dip, it's great on its own, or there's so many things you can add to your queso to make it uniquely yours and make it exactly how you like it. When I was younger for a while, my grandmother added some chili powder to hers mm. every time. I don't know what it was. I liked it. It didn't make it spicy. It added like a, I guess it was a smoky flavor to it that I really liked. That was great. Um, And then when we first got married, um, I had been to On the Border a couple of times. And there was something about their queso. I was trying to pinpoint what it was. And I think it was onion salt in their queso. So there was a while... There was a time where I was making our queso and I was adding onion salt to it, trying to replicate that flavor of what On the Border does. Um, I know several people who add browned ground sausage or just browned meat, uh, beef. Uh, There are all sorts of different things you can add to your queso. In fact, I was just telling Spencer the other day, one that I want to test out and maybe I can just do like a social media outreach to let y'all know how it goes. Um, I found on Pinterest, there's a version that somebody makes with cream cheese and sour cream. Hmm. Spencer's not a sour cream fan. He just doesn't like the word sour cream, but when he eats it, he likes it. Yeah. Um. (laughs) It's like people that don't like the word moist. 
Oh, you said it. There are people cringing right now. <laughs> Moist. No, stop it. We want you to keep listening to our podcast, please. Um, <laughs> anyway, I will let y'all know how that works out because I love cream cheese and it is supposed to make it really nice and creamy and velvety and um, I always dig that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that's a basic. Uh, serve it with any kind of corn tortilla chips that you like. We like multigrain. We like regular. Put it on tacos. Put it on tacos. Taquitos. Mm-hmm. Um, we those like are to dip great. French fries in it. Well, yeah, and that's another time that I make them is with cheeseburgers even, mm-hmm. and we um, dip our French fries in it. There was a time when I was an athlete and I was in like high school. And I was having to eat constantly because I was so hungry. I would dip my cheeseburgers in my queso. Fantastic. Might as well skip that step and put the, che- the queso <laughs> on the burger. On it. <laughs> yeah. So my rating of this is, and as she said, it's basic. It's just Velveeta and Rotel. I don't know. She does something magic with this or something. It might, must be the blending of the Rotel. But anybody else's queso that is the same ingredients does not taste the same, and it's not the same consistency. We had an office Christmas party, or it was Thanksgiving, the office Thanksgiving party, and it was the same thing. You could tell. It was Velveeta and Rotel, but it was so runny. I don't Hmm. understand. I don't know if they put too much Velveeta or what, but it was very runny, very drippy, and and it did not taste the same. Yeah. It has to be whatever it is you're doing, and I don't know if maybe you're cooking it the, the right amount of time or what. But yours is perfect. Aw, so thanks, sweetie. Do well, what and she... sometimes we've noticed, because it, it saves so well. Because mm-hmm, you make so much. And you can reheat it um, a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the blending. There have been times when we've reheated it and it tastes spicier. Yeah. Well, and then on that note, like you said, I don't think I would need a hot Rotel. The mild does the, does the trick. I think if you added... If you, because I blend it? Maybe. And I think that if... Because if I think if you went to hot whatever i mm-hmm. think it would ruin the flavor okay yeah 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 the, the, the heat would be more than the the taste right yeah right, right. Okay. so i i'm perfect with the way you make a queso and i'm i'm open to trying other things mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, the way you do it now is perfect so Aww, thanks honey. do follow her instructions and you will be living in queso heaven <laughs> okay well that's velveeta queso dip with rotel from laura <laughs> So, um, on to the, the subject of our podcast for today. This is our top five list of what we want, what we are asking Santa Claus the most for, of board games. Because it's Christmas time. Yes, we love Christmas like, time. Emma, our daughter, our three-year-old, we're trying, she's trying to learn about, you know, time and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like, I was noticing today, she kept asking us what time it is. But we've been having to explain, you know, she loves Halloween, and so... It's Halloween, and then she kept saying, and then it's Christmas. No, we have Thanksgiving, and now we're trying to drill it into her head. Thanksgiving is over, mm-hmm. and it's Christmas time, not Christmas but not Christmas Day. Day. Yeah, but it's Christmas time, and now I've got the Charlie Brown Christmas time mm-hmm. is here in my head, and <laughs> that's not too bad though. I like that song. Yeah, it's good. I'm just gonna be over here singing it in my head for a while while you talk. Okay, well, um. We have our wish list, of course. I know, I'm, know on my wish list, I have over 50 games that shows you how much I want. And a lot of them, I'll be honest, a lot of them don't even come out till next year. But they're games I have my eye on. Yeah, you can check out his yeah. BGG wish list. Uh, oh, What's yeah. Your... So my BGG name is Spencer Dean Will. S-P-E-N-C-E-R-D-E-A-N-W-I-L-L. You can look me up, look at my wish list. Laura's is? L. Williams. 
six eleven. Yeah, so you can look at our wish list. Um, I've got like like I said, <laughs> I've got games coming out next year that I've got my eye on that I don't want to forget about. And one I'm ta- one I'm looking forward to is called Shark Island, and like one player plays the shark and he's like swimming around trying to eat the other players. It sounds it, like fish out of water, like a kid like yeah, we maybe. used to play in the swimming yeah. pool when we were kids. Um, but that looks like a lot of fun. But obviously, I'm not going to be getting those. But you know, as 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 board gamers, we love the games that we have, but we're always looking for the next greatest thing. We want to stay up on on the latest trends. We don't want to miss out. And yeah, you know, as we've mentioned in many many podcasts, we'll play games that are several years old, and we still love them. Mm-hmm. And you'll find some of those on our wish list. Yes. Uh, case in point, um, we did the BGG Secret Santa this year. Mm-hmm. I've already received two of my gifts from my Secret Santa. Yeah. I've, he said I've got, or he or she, of course it's Santa. So right now it's he. Um, said I've got one more coming, so I'm really excited. Uh, but two that were on my wish list, I already received were Spyfall, which yes, I'm late to the train on that, and also um, Escape Curse of the Temple. Um, those have been on my wish list for a while now. I just never picked them up, and I'm so thankful to receive those in the mail yesterday. I cannot wait to play them. Um, and then Laura's still waiting on hers, but I know she's going to be happy with what she gets. Um, so anyway, we just want to share with you what we would like um, to receive the most this year. Doesn't mean we're going to get it. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean, uh, you know. But these are just our top five. Top five that we want the most. Yeah. And I'd say these are in order. You know, this is the one I want. Um, you know, out of 50 games, this is the one, the, the five that I want most. But they are ranked. So, would you say the same for you? Yeah, I You're, think so. Okay. So, we will start with number five. Alara, uh, would you like to go first? Sure. My number five is Ice Cool. Um, ever since we got Flick 'em Up. The whole idea of dexterity games has really been fascinating to me. And then Spencer told me about Ice Cool. And we got our Instagram account. And I see people post their Instagram videos of their Ice Cool flicks. Okay, so you're penguins um, that you flick around this board. But it's not a flat board per se. It's got borders up around it. And um, it's got different rooms. So you have because to... Because it's a, it's a school. You're at Penguin School, hence Ice School, Ice School. That's where the play on words comes. Oh, man. I don't know if you caught that, but that's no. why it's called that. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. And um, so you're flicking them around the rooms. Mm-hmm. You're trying to collect something. Yeah, so at the through the doorways, there are little fish hanging on the doorways. And when you, I believe, now, side note. With these games, we don't own, so we don't know exactly how they work, just based on what we've seen. So if we get something wrong, don't yell at us. We haven't played it. Um, mm-hmm. This is just based on what our observations are, what we've heard. But anyway, uh, if you flick your penguin through the doorway, you get to take a fish that's that's hanging on the doorway. Okay. And so at the end of the game, whoever has the most fish wins. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm, I think my main thing is just I've seen so many cool videos of people who make these awesome trick shots, you know, like pool you know, like when they're mm-hmm. playing pool and they and they hit those really cool trick shots. Some of these people are amazing penguin flickers. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they like flip and come back like a boomerang. Yeah. Well, the cool like, thing is like the rules allow you to flick over the walls too. You don't have to yeah. just go around. So you could flick over a wall, make your penguin, have backspin on it, come around the corner, go through the door. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a blast. I mean, I know I'll never be able to do that, but mm-hmm. I sure want to try. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, and it's a simple game. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be easy to play with most people. It's just I know there are a lot of people, especially people who are shy about getting into the hobby, that they already don't want to leave a whole bunch up to chance. Mm-hmm. And dexterity games are kind of 
they're very chancy because it just depends on how well you flick something. Yeah. Well, and for me, that doesn't. I mean, I know, I know, I'm terrible at anything physical. That's why I don't <laughs> play sports. Um, but you know, like flick them up. I'm not very good at it. You probably but I love shouldn't it. tell people that when you're asking them to donate to you for dancing. Hey, it's for a good cause. <laughs> doesn't matter how well I can dance. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I. I hope I hope you get high school because I want to play it too. Yeah, it's on my wish list, just not as high as yours. Yeah, so that's my number five. Okay, high school. Time for my number five. Um, ever since we played, um, Isle Bound, I have just been on this kick of oh, I gotta learn all I can about Red Raven games. I loved Isle Bound. I love the artwork. Um, and when we posted pictures about it, we had people asking, you know, how does it compare to to Above and Below? Is it have much as, does it have as much storytelling as Above and Below? And I had heard about Above and Below, but it just never really caught my attention that much. But now that I know what Red Raven Games is capable of, or in other words, what Ryan, Ryan Lockett, Lockett is capable of. Oh my of, gosh, you guys, he has become such a <laughs> Ryan Lockett fanboy. Wow. I, I really want some of his framed artwork. But anyway, that's <laughs> um, I've put Above and Below at number five on my wish list. Mm-hmm. Um just the whole idea of, you know, you're creating a story, basically, of your little your little people. I'll be honest, I don't know a whole, a whole lot about it, but I know there's a storytelling element of it. I know you're building, I think you're building a little bit of a, a town. Like a civilization. Yeah, kind like of. above ground or below ground, hence above and below. Mm-hmm. And there's a storytelling element to it. Um, I like that some of your characters from Islebound can be used in Above and Below. Yeah. Um, we just got another Red Raven game. We haven't played it yet, but Artifacts Incorporated. Um, it looks really cool. I've got to break it out and, pl- and play around with it. We haven't played a full game, but what I like what I see so far. But yeah, I would love to get uh, Above and Below and, and get further into uh, the Red Raven games universe. So yeah, that's my number five. Okay, moving on to number four then. Number four. My number four is Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, I think ever since the first time that I heard Tom Vassell talk about it on the Dice Tower podcast, I went, that that sounds neat. Mm-hmm. I like that. You like that, Robin Hood? Yeah, I like Robin Hood and, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. And then Spencer was like, well, also Tom Vassell had a hand in the design of the game. And I was like, oh, fascinating. Um, so I've done a little more research. Basically, you're kind of... Um, uh, trade um, and and items being brought in and out of the city is being heavily regulated. Mm-hmm. And so your merchants, and you may or may not be smuggling illicit <laughs> goods in and out of the city, and you're lying mm-hmm. about what you've got, and you're just trying to get out or get in. But you could also try to bribe the mm-hmm. sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, yeah, and like Spencer said, we we don't own these games, so we don't know a whole bunch about them, but... Those things alone, mm-hmm. to me, sound really neat. Plus, I like what I've seen of the artwork. Yeah. Um, that looks like a lot of fun, too. So those those are really my major sellers for a Sheriff of Nottingham. You should check it out. Did you know there's a tabletop episode on it? No. You should watch it. I should. Yeah. It was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I watched it, and uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. So That would be. Yeah. See, wouldn't that be fun? Mm-hmm. Lying. Lying We lie all the time. <laughs> We will kind of lie to our daughter. We have a whole shelf full of lies. <laughs> All of our board games, you a lot of them you lie in. <laughs> so that is a. I do play a pretty good traitor. Oh my gosh! Yes, games. you do. It's terrible. <laughs> I can't ever tell you. 
But anyway, yeah, I think that's a good one for you. I think you'd really like Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, so that's my number four, Sheriff of Nottingham. My number four is London Dread from Gray Fox Games. That does look really cool. It does. Now, I, as far as gameplay, don't know too much about what you're doing. I know that there is a, a, a storytelling element to it. Mm-hmm. Not heavy, but there is some story going on. Um, it's in the Victorian London era. Yeah. Um, so the theme in London Dread, so there's like, you know, some kind of horror element to it. Is there a Jack the Ripper thing in it? I don't know. I probably should have looked more into it, but, It just, um, it looks cool, It looks cool. Um, I can't say a whole lot more about it, but the things that I've seen about it looks really cool. It looks like our style game, you know, we, I don't know what that says about us, that we like a lot of Cthulhu games. We like a lot of... You know, horror genre. But they're fun. They do, like, (laughs) betrayal. I mean, they're all fun. And Mm -hmm. I love, I love, you know, you'll you'll notice a theme with us that theme matters to us. Um, You know, the storytelling aspect of what's going on as you play through a game. I know. That's what I'm looking forward to with Fury of Dracula. Yeah, it's, I like having a purpose for what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? Because it serves the story purpose. Yeah. Um, and some games it's thinner than others, but it's all about what you make in your brain. Mm-hmm. If it's thinner, you just build it up in your head. But if it's more thrown out for you, that's even better because you don't have to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the less thinking. No, I like to think anyway. But yeah, London Dread looks really cool. So it's my number four. Okay. So then that means we're up to number three. Yes. My number three, um, is a new one mm-hmm. that came out recently. Um, And this is Dungeons and Dragons Rock, Paper, Wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Recently, I've really gotten into watching Critical Role um, from Geek and Sundry. Uh, It's a lot of fun to watch. And and that's just kind of piqued my interest more and more with uh, RPGs. And so I started looking around at, hey, they've got Dungeons and Dragons board games. And they've got Pathfinder board games. I That's really cool. And then... I saw this video for Dungeons and Dragons Rock Paper Wizard, and that looked cool. It really does you, look cool. Um, <laughs> you really do have to do hand gestures to cast these spells mm-hmm. at each other, and you do it on account. So you have to make sure you're doing the exact right hand gesture, as the card says. That's why I'm looking forward dangerous. to playing you, because <laughs> you're gonna forget what you're doing. I am you're gonna, so Or you're gonna do it, and you're gonna go, "No, that's not what I meant." <laughs> I meant to cross this finger, not that finger. Yeah, you have to do the exact right hand gesture with to for the spell to work. Mm-hmm. Your spell may not even work, but that just sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> And it's in the D and D thing. It does look like a, a, a lot of fun. And yeah, so I like to play that. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, Rock Paper Wizard. Your number three. My number three. Um, maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've is, heard of it. Is Cry Havoc. Yeah, that, um, looks, that looks cool. This one's been hyped up since around Gen Con, and um, you know, I tend to, for the most part, not always, but I tend to align with Tom Vassell on the kinds of games he likes and. And he really likes this one. Uh, he gave it a really high ranking. In Cry Havoc, you have, it's kind of like a, it's a war game, essentially, on a planet. And it's an asymmetrical game, meaning each different faction works a different way. Um, so it's not like everybody has the same actions. Everybody has different things they're be doing. So, cool. Yeah, so there's like a human faction. There's one called Trogs, you know, different races. And you're on, it's like an area control type battle on this planet 
and um, it's a war game, so you're fighting, and, and from what I hear, it's got a really unique combat system that um, I'm all, always interested in. Yes. We don't really have any war games. We don't. Either. Um, if you want to talk area control, you know, we've got Small World. We had um, um, The Walking Dead Risk yeah, for a little while. I don't really count that. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's Risk, so it is a war game, but eh, anyway. But yeah, we don't really have any war games, so I think, number one, to add that a war game... Good war game to our collection will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, the miniatures are good quality. It's a portal game. Uh, it's from Portal Games, so we know it's it's going to be good quality. I've just heard a lot of good things about it, and um, you know, it's it's a little bit more polarizing, I guess. I mean, there are some people who are like it's cool, it's not that special, um, but it is a good game. Hey, that's all I'm looking for is a good game. Yeah. You know, we've got a lot of good games, and they're a blast to play. Yeah. So, um, based on everything I've heard, Cry Havoc is my number three. Okay, so that brings us to number two. Dose. Um, and this is a game we were actually introduced to over our Thanksgiving break from mm-hmm. um, some friends that we were able to get together with. Um, and that's Five Tribes. Um, good old Days of Wonder and uh, Mr. Bruno Cathal, another... Another designer that we really like. We've mm-hmm. got quite a few. You know, it's it's funny. We, we were talking about this. It's when you start to buy games before you really get into the hobby. You just buy games based on either you know the way they look, the way they look, and sometimes if you're being really careful, you go by a publisher. And but the you theme. don't you don't tend to look at the designer. But then as you get more into the hobby, you're like, okay, who's designed this? Oh, I hear that name a lot on podcasts and yeah. stuff. Maybe I should look. And then when you go back and look at the games that you own, you're amazed at. Oh my gosh! I didn't realize he did this game. Did he? Really, he did that game. What? Yeah, like so, recently um, on Throat Punch Lunch with the mm-hmm. Dice Tower, I talked about Jamaica. Mm-hmm. That's a Bruno Cathala yeah. game. As is um, Shadows, Shadows over, over Camelot. Camelot. It's mm-hmm. like what? That what? And they're all so different. Yes. You know that's that's. I think that's a sign of a good designer, is if you have a vast, mm-hmm. you know, different types of games. Yeah. Um, so five tribes. Like I said, we were introduced to it, so we have gotten to play this one. Mm-hmm. And again, what a unique gameplay mm-hmm. of you pick up those meeples from one square and you have to dist- redistribute them in a mm-hmm. in a certain path, um, and then whatever square you end on. You, that last meeple that you drop, you take any other meeples that are the same color as that one, mm-hmm. and you've got these really great player mats that that's, explain everything. That's oh. one thing that, that Days of Wonder does excellent. They, they do. Their player aids, every single Days of Wonder game we own, um, they have those player aids that tell you exactly what to expect on your turn order, mm-hmm. your, op- your options. It's laid out right there. You don't have to go to Board Game Geek and print it off because it comes with it in the game. Right. I love that about Days of Wonder. Yeah, they do a great job. And so um, each meep, each color meeple, which they are the five tribes, mm-hmm. so there are five colors. Um, well, with the base game, there are yeah. expansion, there's an expansion that adds a sixth tribe. But the game's still called Five Tribes. Don't question. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, and so you can look on your player aid and see what that particular tribe does, whether they're... Um, assassins or mm-hmm. merchants or builders um they do certain things and so you'll you'll do you'll perform their action um if you emptied the square if there are no meeples after you pick up all the same color ones you get to drop one of your one of your colored camels on it um some you get to place a palace on them um Trees. or a palm tree it's denoted on the square mm-hmm. um but Really, I think it was just that 
I don't know if you can call it a movement. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you call, what you call yeah. that, but picking up those meeples and redistributing them. Mm-hmm. I wow, what that a was great really mechanic. Cool. Well, and it's another one of those point solid style games too. Lots yes, of different ways so to get points. Different ways. And we tend to like those. You know, like Rococo and Islebound mm-hmm. is... We'll be talking well, about Rococo not, yeah. later. Islebound's not really point salad, but there are a few different ways to Shakespeare. Yeah. We've got Shakespeare. Um, it's just, I, I love that balance of which direction do you go? You know, how do you balance out this mm-hmm. action with this action? Which direction do I go? I think that's what we really like Well, and then it. other players can come in and thwart yeah. what you were about. I don't know how many times in our game of four players we mm-hmm. went, I was about to do that. Yeah, exactly. And- yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it took us a while to play this game cause it's, it's at least a year old. I'm not sure how old it is, but I'm glad we finally did. I think the thing that, that initially turned me off of it was I saw the five by five grid of tiles, then all those meeples laid out on it. And I just assumed that there was a very specific way you had to lay those meeples out. And I thought, oh, set up on that game would take forever, but you don't, you just set up at random. I guess I kind of thought it looked like a worker placement thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm just not big on worker placement I don't know. Well, yeah. I and think so, there are some good ones out there. There are good ones. Yes, I agree. But mm-hmm. they're just not my favorite. Yeah. Um, They're not what I'm looking for. Right. Okay. Maybe that's it. Gotcha. But no, that's not Five yeah. Tribes. So that's my number two, Five Tribes from Days of Wonder. All right. My number two, Um, I like deck building. Um, there's something about deck building that I like. I like the act, the in-game deck building. I like the act of buying cards. I like the act of shuffling your deck and then getting rid of the junk cards if you can um and so um when i first heard about clank the game is called clank with an exclamation mark um (laughs) first i heard it was a a deck building game i was like oh okay but then i heard it's not only deck building but it's a press your luck game so you are going into the mountain kind of like a hobbit where you're going into the mountain trying to steal treasure um, from a dragon? I think, maybe. I don't know. I don't ah. remember. And you're trying to go on a mountain, steal treasure. Um, it's deck building, but you don't want to go too far. If you, Yes, there is a dragon, because if you make a noise, if you, if you clank, clank. <laughs> you wake the dragon, Uh-oh. and I think either something, either it, it contributes to you losing. I don't know if the hmm. dragon wakens and eats you. You have to run. Yeah, I think you have to yeah. run. But, you can start dropping yeah, so stuff. I love pressure luck games because I never know when to stop. <laughs> I love deck building. I love that theme. I like Lord of the Rings. I like, you know, treasure hunting, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's a perfect Fantasy. It's a perfect combination in a game. Uh, that's from Renegade Games. And so I really hope my number two to get Clank this year. Okay, my number one, we kinda hinted at it earlier when we were talking about those point salad games. Um, this is a game we've talked about before on the podcast, and we did a review for it Reese, within the past year um, for the Dice Tower, and that is Rococo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I own this game already. So it's not Rococo that's my mm-hmm. number one. It's the expansion that just came out, Rococo Jewelry Box. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you get to add pretty jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was a little bummed out when Spencer was explaining to me, honey, I don't think it's in America yet. Or I still I don't, don't think, think it's it is. in English mm-hmm. yet. Um, it's probably still in German. Mm-hmm. So I'll just have to wait. Because, I mean, it's been funny. Um, as soon it's 
as soon as you acquire anything, you start seeing it everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we did um, our review of Rococo and we talked about it on the podcast, I started seeing other people's pictures of Rococo, but they all have the box the with Jew. a K on it. Oh. They hmm. have the German box. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's maybe people on Instagram that I'm following that maybe are European. Mm-hmm. I don't realize. <laughs> we don't pay I'd... attention to ethnicity or nationality. We no, care we... about the content of your table. Yes. <laughs> I'm really jealous of those people who have the full set. They've got the base set and they've got jewelry box. Mm-hmm. But one day, one so, day I will have Rococo jewelry box. So what does it add? Um. It adds um, jewelry. A new, well, it adds a new worker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess. A, is it the artisan or is it a jeweler? I don't know. Something like that. One of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're right. I feel like we're kind of getting it maybe a little bit confused with Shakespeare because mm. I think there's an artisan in Shakespeare, mm-hmm. um, which is another game we have not talked about yet on the podcast. Right. We need to do that. Um, but uh, it adds one of those jeweler or artisan. And um, so you get to, along with dresses and um, and men's suits, you get to make jewelry for mm-hmm. people to rent. And so it's another way to get points. Yep, more points. More money. More <laughs> money, more problems. Not problems. More money, more joy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number one mm-hmm. that I want is Rococo, the jewelry box expansion. Yay. My number one. Oh, man. If I don't get anything else <laughs> this year but this, I will be a happy person. Um, growing up, not growing up, in my teenage years, I played a lot of first-person shooters, mainly Halo. Um, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot. He did I mean, the old school before Xbox Live mm-hmm. of going over. The LAN over. parties. Yeah. You go, Do you people even know what those are? You kids. Crazy you, kids with your Xbox Live. You go over to your friend's house. Several of you, your friends get together. and They all bring their Xbox. You, you get your, your LAN, your um, your router. Everybody plugs your Xbox and Everyone brings their own TV. And, uh, <laughs> and you, you stay up till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning playing. Eating pizza. Eating pizza. Playing. Pizza. Shooting each other and... And um, I can't do it now. I, I just don't have the attention span. I don't know if it's because I play too many board games. I don't have the attention span for, for video games anymore. I really don't. Even Arkham Knight, um, which was a great game, and, and we love the Batman Arkham series, I could only play it for 30 minutes at a time before I started just zoning out. That one was a lot more story-based, yeah. I think, and a lot more of the cut scene, yeah. the, the scenes of mm-hmm. him... Oh, look at this! Blah blah blah. <laughs> Him talking to you. But um, even then... even phone games like games on your phone, I can't play those anymore. I just I can't. Even if they're board games, I have to touch things. So I've, yeah. I guess I've been spoiled. But anyway, all of that to say, my number one game that I like the most is Adrenaline. Um, I've seen a whole lot about this game when I first heard about it. I initially knew I had to have this game. It's a when they said board game first person shooter. Yes, that's I was what like, it is. What? It is a first-person shooter board game, but yes. the way that everyone was like, but it doesn't make sense because it is a Euro game. How does that all work? Because you think shooting, you think Ameritrash, Ameritrash, however you want to say it. How does that work as a Euro-style game? You have to manage stuff. Well, what it is, um, essentially, it is an area control game, but each player is an area, so you're trying to control 
each each of your opponents. So each person has like the health bar. That's right. Yeah, each you're trying to health, kill the others. Yeah, each person has a health bar, and you're trying to shoot them, and you want to have the most amount of shots on them. Mm-hmm. But if you get fill them up with all of your shots, that doesn't do you any good, any more good than having the majority. So let's say that I shot someone five times, someone came along, shot them three, and then someone else shot them two. It's kind of like, um, well, anything that has gives you points based on how much you control that area. Whoever, when that person dies, they are scored, and so whoever has the most shots on them gets the most points. Followed in second by, you know, but then and so they on respawn, and so forth. Yeah, right? they respawn. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing is, is when as long the longer someone stays alive, the more points they're worth. So if someone dies a whole lot, they're not worth very many points. But it makes that one, it's kind of like, you know, when you're playing a first-person shooter, that one guy that keeps shooting you and you can never kill him. But then it, when you finally kill him, you get more XP. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you make that makes them your pride and target. You want to go after that person to really well, knock I'm, them I'm out. I'm curious, and I want to know if you saw anything about this. I was seeing on social media people talking about adrenaline, and mm-hmm. that, something that was bothering them is reloading. Hmm. I don't know. You have to get, you have to acquire ammo. Oh, yeah, ammo. You, have, you have to go around and acquire ammo. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's where I think the management comes in. Of, it does, but it's still, it still emulates a first-person shooter. That's Because you don't true. have, I mean, some... I'm thinking of, like, Left 4 Dead, because yeah, your, your gun can run, you out, can of run ammo. out of ammo. So you have to go find it, and you got to stop what you're doing and See, go find so it. So then usually Spencer picks up a guitar. Yeah, and starts... Hitting people with a guitar. <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if boing, there, are, there are guitars boing. in this game. Um, but, <laughs> but there, but there are, too. <laughs> but there are, you know, there are a vast majority of different kinds of weapons that are from first popular first person shooters. Your other night may not be called what it is like in Halo because of copyright infringement, <laughs> but you have something that's equivalent to a gravity hammer. You've got rocket launcher, grenade launcher, different types of weapons that does different type of damage to, to your opponents. I, I want this game so much. <laughs> Like I said, if I don't get anything else this year, that's what I want. So that's my number one. Adrenaline, please, Santa, if you can hear this, that's what I want. I would be a happy little boy if I get adrenaline. <laughs> so those are the uh, our top five, what we want. Let's recap. Let's, let's recap. What are your top fives? At number five, I want Ice Cool. Number four, Sheriff of Nottingham. Number three... Dungeons and Dragons, Rock Paper Wizard, number two, Five Tribes, and number one, Rococo the Jewelry Box Expansion. And my top five are Above and Below, number four, London Dread, number three, Cry Havoc, number two, Clank, and number one, Adrenaline. Uh, so yeah, um, that wraps it up for what we want to talk about in this podcast. Um, the next one you can look forward to is our top games of the year. So our plan is, for the next episode, it's going to be, again, it's going to be two weeks after this one, and that'll be it for 2016. Just we want to spend the rest of December off. We'll be back in 2017, but the next episode we'll be talking about our favorite games from this year. We'll also be doing a video for that that will be on the Dice Tower, so look out for that too. Um, But it's our games. Yes. Yeah, so... (laughs) We've talked about in past podcasts mm-hmm. how, you know, we don't always get the chance to acquire the new hotness mm-hmm. because we are parents. Yeah. And, um, uh, we, were, we were looking at our plays last night, and I think we've logged this year about 150 plays. 
Yeah. And, and over people, 60 different games. There are people who play <laughs> exponentially yeah. more than we do and um, have exponentially more games than we do. Right. And so that's why I want to add that caveat mm. of we're doing the top of the games that we own. <laughs> or the games that we have just played. Yeah, like our yeah. friends may own them and we have played right. with them. Mm-hmm. But so, they're kind of in the same boat as we are too. Yeah, so we're not going to... We're going to have stuff different from mm-hmm. what other people have. I'm looking forward to it though. We've already have our list picked out. I'm um, unless do, yeah. unless something comes along, like unless I happen to get adrenaline before then. <laughs> Stop it! Or if we get to play one of yours that you got from your Secret Santa. Yes, well, those didn't come go, out this year. And we go, ooh, yeah, <laughs> or yours, but I don't think yours came out this year either. Um, Thief's Market came out this year, and I got yes, that earlier. That's true. Anyway, all that to say, this has been episode seven of the Married with Board Games podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm Laura. Thank you so much for listening.